All right, we are back. This is the Flow Track Podcast. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm Kevin. He is Gordon. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. I want to start the show with a special announcement. Some of you guys might have seen the tweet circulating on social media where none other than LeBron James said, uh, jumping on someone's podcast soon, maybe my own. Turns out he has some strong thoughts on the 800, Gordon. Um, so I guess, is he coming on Wednesday to do that? Maybe a combo NCAA preview, his defense of the men's 800 type show? We're just going to have to wait and see. You know, I don't want to give anything away. He's very secretive with this whole process. So we're just going to let it come into fruition as it goes. And so you just have to wait and see. But it's exciting. It's very exciting. History. For the Would you say, I mean, definitely top five biggest guests we've ever had on the show. I have to say. Top five, Maybe. top ten. Top five, top yeah. ten. Somewhere in the top ten, at least. At minimum. Uh, right now, Connell Tour Hengelo going on. So, I mean, you could do split screen if you want, I guess. Or just watch that replay after uh, you're done. We got a lot of Continental Tours. Uh, today, we got also one in, is it Prague? Too today? Yeah. Or? Prague. All right. And then some ones over the weekend. So, a lot of track on the site that people can check out yesterday we released a robot slash sydney mclaughlin flash recap i mean also warholm we panicked we got scared we got emotional about where warholm's at after the injury so we'll update the warholm situation the sydney story in terms of whether or not the mark will count or not we go all into detail on that so that's on yesterday's pod today's show uh we'll talk about some of the other results of the weekend uh, throughout the world, Shakira Richardson, Allison Felix, some results from that uh, meet in Nashville. We will update the Warholm situation, do kick of the week, and if this was track, I guess we could also talk about those another high school boys sub four and some ha- fast high school eight hundreds as well. I think we need to yeah, so pivot much. since since you're selling the elite eight hundred. I think you need we need to pivot to the the high school eight hundreds because the the girls' 800 has been amazing this year with Whitaker and Roisin Willis. And then on the uh, boys' side of things, too, it's been incredible. Sumner and Flat. Yeah, I mean, when I said yesterday we need to cancel the World Championship 800, the high school 800 can stay where it's at, you know. It's In great. fact, maybe we just host the high school national championships in Eugene in replacement of the World Championship 800, have the Cade Flats mm-hmm. of this world – Gorarians, the Whitakers, and have them entertain our fans because they're doing a good job. It's the pros mm-hmm. that aren't doing too good of a job. You know, I, I blame, Agreed. I think this is our curse that we're bearing because Donovan Brazier is hurt. And so mm-hmm. when we don't have the greatness of Brazier, it, it just all goes downhill from here. But <laughs> I digress. Let's talk about Shakari Richardson. Yeah. So we were going to talk about this yesterday, but a lot of other. Story's gotten away. We want to recap Rabat too. There was another sprint meet down in Florida. Windy conditions, but Richardson got the win 10.73. It was a plus 4.3 ahead of Jenna Prandini in that final who ran 10.75. And with the camera angles with the race, a bit difficult to figure out um, and analyze it as much as you could a race like the Prefontaine Classic. But the important part for her, she's winning. She's 
establish herself, I think at this point, as the number one runner in the U.S. Now, whether or not she can continue that to trials and still get in that top three, I think she's worked herself in a really good position. Uh, but that's obviously TBD. You got to run the race. And then on the world side of things, you still got to think the Jamaican contingent is is strong here. But what do you think? I mean, it's 10-7, but with the wind, if you correct that down to 0, 0.0, it goes up to 10-9. Again, if you put a two on it, it's going to be in the 10-8s. <laughs> I'm tired of the wind conversions. So I'm just looking at this as she wins. She won again. Yeah, I mean – you don't even need to look at win conversions. You can look at the World Athletics raw score, which you see here. If you bring mm -hmm. up uh, Shikari's uh, profile right here. When she ran the 10.92, that was equivalent to a 12.17 raw score. Mm -hmm. For two races this past weekend was a 12.18 and a 12.34. So she now has three, three races in the 1200s raw score-wise. 1200's a good run. Like, that's like elite mm -hmm. sub 11 second elite run she now has three of them under her belt in a short matter of time now one at the 1234 range which is pretty getting closer like we're talking about you go into the 1240s and 1250s when you get to what elaine thompson hurrah does like elaine thompson hurrah's best mark is a 1246 from prefontaine mm -hmm. she has a 1237 or 1224 so when you're in the 1220s and up, that's a good sign. Again, she carries not using the scores. Look at what? these fancy numbers. You're like, there's not enough numbers in track with the time. I'm going to use a score for track. Yeah, well, the, the scores are good because it takes into account the wind. That's what you mm. like about it. It takes into account the wind. So it's a good way to kind of allow for people who are running into headwind, allow for people who are running in with tailwinds to kind of put you all – in the same, you know, category. But anyway, back well, to the I have my own score. I have my own score. And I think, right. I think the pre-race was better because she was in it with competition and there was legit pressure. Nobody really okay. knew this race was happening until with the day or two before. And True. I think for sprints especially, competition matters because the margin of error is so small. So I put the pre-race over this, but pretty similar. I think it's all pointing to this complete picture now. Like she's been pretty consistent um, going back even to that crazy headwind race. Not the first one, but the second one where she finished ahead of 20 Shatari. That's like three finals in a row where she's been in and around that same, same area. Yeah. When you look at the rest of the U.S. field, I think Shakari now has really grabbed it. Uh, grab the bull by its horns, they say. I think she is the clear favorite. I look at the second best runner right now in the U.S. in the 100. It's probably Tunisia mm -hmm. Terry. And Richardson has beaten her now multiple times. Um, Aaliyah Hobbs, I would say, is one of the top-tier runners. Gabby Thomas is there, but Gabby's more of a 200 woman. Same with Brittany Brown, more of a 200. I really can't think of... It's, it's really hard to come up with three names that you're confident can all be Shikari now. I could come up with like 12 two weeks ago, but now, you know, I really can't come up with many. I, I can't, come up, can't come up with any. So that 10-7-3 yeah. is real, and um, 
I look at Shikari now as the the favorite, and if she can go to U.S. Trials and run like back to back win legal ten sevens or a ten eight win legal, then a maybe a slightly windy ten seven, mm-hmm. then we're gonna start thinking, okay, what's she gonna be able to do in, uh, a few weeks later at Worlds? It's going to be very – Elaine thompson Ross is just too, too damn good to be beaten right now. I think it would take a choke job from one of the Jamaicans for Richardson to win. I don't think – Richardson does not win straight up. It would require both Jamaicans to choke, which happens. People choke. It's sports. I choke mm-hmm. sometimes in sports. I know what it's like watching my favorite Certainly sports podcasting. teams choke. I choke in my podcasting. Uh, so, but – if the two Jamaicans choke and Richardson doesn't, there is a chance that Richardson could win. But only if three things happen. Two chokes and one perfect peak. I hope I make myself I hope I'm making sense. Am I making sense? Well, I think you started somewhat clear and then it got murkier as okay. we went along. <laughs> but he just if you're just looking at USA's, I'll just keep it on USA's. I said this before, like the U.S. It's crowded for the U.S. in the high ten eights into the low ten nines. Fucking win legal times here. I don't know what the point value would be at that. Check Gordon's charts for that. But if you get down to low ten eights into high ten sevens, then you're far and away the best. But there are a lot of people in the U.S. on the women's side right now who are capable of a big one-off performance. That's what I would keep an eye on. Like there's a lot of women out there. Some are competing in the NCAAs right now. Some are just regular pros who it wouldn't surprise me if you went to, like if you said, oh, Steiner or Jefferson's going to run 10-83 at USA's, like that wouldn't be shocking to me. Or someone like a Hobbs or a Terry, someone like that, like low 10 eights. But then if you get into sevens, then it's a totally different ballgame. So I think for for Richardson, can she return to that form, right? Can she return fully to 2021 where she was running the fast times and putting up the big margins of victory? So far, she's not quite there yet, but she's done enough to put herself as number one in the U.S. Yeah, and I spent all weekend recabulating my U.S. There rankings, is. my top 10 yep. U.S. rankings. And Shakari came up on top of my rankings. And How many points? How many points? There's no points. It's just 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Mm. So one point. I don't show the like points. Golf. Like cross country. But I do Close have a way of doing it. It's, it's based off of your top three performances, what you did in 2021, a little bit of an algorithm. I weighed it a certain way. And... Uh, I have a few exceptions. I have the Christian mm-hmm. Coleman exception because he didn't run last year. Um, but uh, they're good rankings. So check them out. Go to flowcheck.com slash rankings. And um, you can see the newest U.S. rankings. I do every event from the 100 all the way to the javelin throw. And uh, Richardson right now is currently ranked number one in the women's 100. Can you guess my 200-meter rankings? Gabby Thomas. Correct. She is, okay. She's number one in the 200. All right. 
I have an announcement to make. Okay. Ready for this? I feel confident that I know where Allison Felix's last race is going to be. We've been trying to figure this out for a while. I feel confident I know the answer. It's going to be at the War Athletics Championships in Eugene, Oregon. Because Allison Felix is going to make the team in the 400. I think she's going to run USA's. She said in an in, in interview, uh, someone flagged for me that, that I think she plans on running through USA's. And she just ran a 50.7 over in Chorzow. I think she's going to get at least to the finals at USA's. And that's going to put her on the relay team. Now, whether that's the mixed gender 4x4 or whether it's the just regular 4x4 as a member of the relay pool, I don't know. But do you know where 50.7 right now gets you in the U.S.? In the 400? The women's quarter? I, I do know. I do know because I was looking at it last night. Fourth. Fourth. And one of those people is a thing, Mo, who's probably not going to run the event. So there's third. Another one of those people is Britton Wilson, who, by the way, side note, Britton Wilson should probably run this event as opposed to the foreign. I mean, it's probably easier for her to make the team, but we'll put that aside right now. We're talking about Allison Felix. Uh, And then Kennedy Simon is on that list. Now, there might be some other people who run fast at NCAAs. There might be some people who turn in a good performance pre-USAs. But we're three weeks out, Gordon. And she just ran the fourth fastest American time. And I think if she goes to USA's, she runs USA's, which I assume she's going to do, I think she's going to make the team. And I don't think she's going to be like, no, I don't want the spot. She's going to want to go back. That's, that will be the perfect send-off for Felix. And as a track and field fan, someone who's followed her career forever, I think that's like a way more appropriate way to go out than just like, oh, I'm going to show up at one last Diamond League. Or I'm going to run in a continental tour in Europe, or I'm going to run this meet in New York or wherever. Like, Allison Felix, with the career she's had, it would be so fitting for her last race to be in a global championship. Do you think Allison expected the 400-meter U.S. field to be really non-existent? Like, we're not seeing the Wade and John, the, the Kendall Ellis's, the Jonathan, Jonathan's, the... Yeah, the uh, Quinera Hayes. Like, where's Quinera Hayes? And we're not seeing these like low fifties and forty nine highs from some of the great four hundred meter runners. Like, we're seeing two college kids and an eight hundred meter runner be our top three four hundred meter stars. So it just seems like maybe Felix is like, wait a minute, I might be in shape enough to maybe even win USA's. Like, yeah, yeah. like, do you think she's kind of surprised that her 50.7 in June is already fourth in the U.S.? Yeah, probably a little bit. But this is what we were talking about last year, remember? When you were insistent she wasn't going to make the team. And I said, well, look at the list and name the three people that are going to make it in front of her. And then that sort of extended globally. Then it became name three people who are going to be able to medal. Like, you can give me Sean Emilio You can give me Paulino. But everybody else... This is last year on the world scene um, was a bit was a bit better. Now this year on the world scene it's different. Like I'm not going to go and and pick her for a medal. I'm not even going to say right now she's going to make the the team. But the woman she lost to in Poland, Kazmarek, like 
a legit 400 meter runner. Like that's that's not a bad loss for her. The 400 globally has been kind of wonky this year because um, there's been some high profile races that have been in bad conditions. Uh, Paulino's looked really good. Miller Weibo lost to her. There's been some fast collegiate marks, as we know, but nothing's been out of this world. Nothing's been like, oh man, you don't even have a chance. This is going to be ridiculous. So I don't know if this was by design. Remember, this whole thing was very uh, somewhat secretive. There was never like this outward plan. There was never a tweet. It's like, here are my last five races. She said, I think it was after Mount Sac, I'm going to do five or six races. I think we have to be up to five or six at this point. And then she said before, um, one of these most recent meets that she's going to run USA's. And I just think if you run USA's and you make a team, you're going to run world championships. I would be stunned if she made the team and then didn't run world championships. Yeah. She's already run. That was her fourth race already. Two, two hundreds and two four hundreds. And if you take her best mark on both a 22, four and then a 50, 71, those are solid. You know, the other two marks, um, slower than we would expect from her, but like she can, with way the if she runs fifty point five, or I mean, do I mean if she runs fifty point seven in a semi, she's gonna make the final. Yeah, don't you? I mean, there's just no way she's not gonna make the final. No, yeah, she's gonna, she's gonna make the team. I believe that fifty point seven is very different from running like a fifty one high. You know, so yeah. According to my math, it's almost a second different. That's the, the how many difference. points? How many points? The points? Oh, the points! I don't know. The point difference is a little different. But yeah. The time difference, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I think Felix is now showing that she is fit enough to be able to make the U.S. team, which will put her also on the four by four, and that makes sense. That would be her swan song. Of yeah. running in Eugene one last time in front of the world state on the world stage. Um, yeah. Well, so yeah. And the whole idea of this is the first outdoor championships, world championships in U.S. history. It makes sense that she would be there. She's been the face yeah. of U.S. track for so long. Now, timing was tough, especially when it got pushed back a year. Because of COVID, not everybody's career. Like, I thought when they first named when this championship was going to be, I was like, oh, that's going to be the perfect send-off for Ashton Eaton. He's been retired for, feels like, forever now. And that's just what I thought in my head. Oh, yeah. this will be, be an Eaton, Eaton coronation. Uh, so, for someone who's been such a big part of U.S. track, it makes sense that she would be able to compete there. Like, enjoy that opportunity to race. One last time. And on a relay, it's fitting too because she's done such good work on the relays throughout the year. Who were some other uh, notable people results-wise over the weekend? I got Brittany Brown. I circled her 2199. I think she's been under the radar. Like not not that under the radar because she ran that, what, 10-6 or something when, when dated. But it's like a lot of people aren't picking her for the team. A lot of people aren't seeing her as a medal threat. But I think she's both of those. Yeah, when I did my rankings with Brittany Brown, I have a Brittany Brown problem with my rankings because I currently have her ranked fifth in the 100 and fifth in the 200. And I was trying to figure out how do I get her top three in one of those events? 
I feel like in the hundred, in the hundred, it's harder because I really do think Shakari, Tanisha Terry, and Aaliyah Hobbs are all going to beat Brittany yeah. Brown in a hundred. So mm-hmm. yeah, I looked at it as a two hundred. In the two hundred, there's already two women who are clear one two, and that is Gabby Thomas and Abby Steiner. So the question is, can Brittany Brown be a, mm-hmm. in the third position? But I have two women ahead of her. Jenna Prandini is just coming off of a 1075. And Tamara Clark, low-key, has run very well this season. Mm-hmm. Now she doesn't have a Tamara Clark doesn't have a win legal sub-22, but Tamara Clark did run well at the trials last year. So did Jenna Prandini. And I think mm-hmm. that is kind of what I'm is kind of giving the bump over for Jenna Prandini and Tamara Clark is because it did run well at the last U.S. Championships where Brittany Brown was getting knocked out in the semifinals. So I think if Brittany Brown maybe runs one more 21-9 or low 22, that might be enough to flip Brittany Brown to that third spot. But right now I have to go over to, I have to go to Prandini and Clark who are running well this year and are coming off of running, having good performances at the U.S. Championships less than a year ago. Yeah, I I think she's in the mid. Like I think she can make the team though, right? Like I think all that group is pretty well yeah. bunched together. The one I feel really good about is Thomas, and then after that, I think it's wide open. Like the depth in the hundred carries over to two hundred for the U.S. And then you have a couple other people that are mixed in there. Like someone like Battle, it's crazy. I think how good she was in the trials last year. And there's a, a possibility she may not make the team. So this is going to be – we. this is one of our favorite events, right? Collegiately, U.S. level, and internationally. The women's too is going to be awesome this year. But I just – I feel good about Brown. I, I mean, she's clutch in 19. I know the field at Doha didn't end up being that fast, but she still got a medal out of it, and she qualified to get on the team too. So she's run well in pressure spots before. I, I think she's going to make – right now I would have her – I'd have her in my top three right now. Now it would, be, it would have to be completely subjective. Like you said, it's more just a pick. It's not like, oh, I ran all these numbers. I mean, I guess you could just go on descending order list and say it's Thomas 1, Brown 2, and Steiner 3. Um, I, I just I feel like she's gonna figure out a way to get it done. She's gonna figure out a way to get in that top three. Yeah. I mean when you look at just win legal marks, she has the second best win legal mark in the US. Yeah. That's what but, I'm saying. You know, yeah. Yeah. Some of these other women have run really good second best races and really good third best races that are not win legal and you gotta take that into account. Like you can't just have your one, you know. Your one one-off be your calling card. You can't let Brittany yeah. Brown's Waco, Texas, hundred meter dash just be yeah, the I'm, only yeah. justification for the rest of the season. You know, and I'm not I'm not waiting that. I'm waiting the twenty one ninety nine way more than that because uh, like these crazy win times, I'm I view with a grain of salt. In any event, all right, let's move on. Uh, shout out to the Jamaican fans, Brittany uh, Anderson, just won in Hangalo, twelve fifty two. Those of you who are watching split screen have something to, to root for. Let's do a Warholm injury update because we heard words like tear, 
We heard words like rupture yesterday, but now we're hearing cramp. Ooh, okay, that's it was good. a quote that was put out by Word Athletics or a short interview with the man himself where he said it's probably a cramp in my hamstring. We also had some quotes from Norwegian media. Uh, Warholm's coach said it was impossible to give a definite diagnosis of the injury, which makes more sense. It's like if you get injured, you can't just eyeball it and be like, nah, definitely grade three. That's what we're going to go with. Um, he said he hopes that most are muscle cramps. About making good and rational choices. He looked fantastic on the warm-up and had absolutely no warnings. Um, he said that they focused on getting him home to Norway for a thorough examination. Um, and he just hopes that it's muscle cramp. Um, listen, when I saw it, it just didn't look good because I've never seen him pull up on a race. But it was the other thing that was good was he didn't immediately go down to the track, you know, start screaming and grabbing anything. Right, he grabbed the ice pack. He stood there. Now, you could definitely injure yourself severely and not have a big reaction to it. We've seen that time and time again. That's not necessarily the greatest indicator, but a little bit of optimism here when we hear words like cramp as opposed to tear and rupture. Yeah, there's optimism, but I'll go back to what I said yesterday. Mm. Once you have this, it's it's always going to be in your head. And can he Maybe. not let this affect his mental focus at Worlds? Like, when you know, like, there's a chance something could happen, you may, you're just going to be thinking about it. It's just going to be that little devil on the, your, your left shoulder. Always be like, hey, hey, just so you know, you, you move your leg a little wrong. I'm coming for you. And it could mm. be the difference between you know, 0.2 seconds, which will be enough for a Rye Benjamin or DeSantos to have a competitive advantage. And that's why I think it's a big deal because he's going to be thinking about this now for the rest of the season. You think Warholm's brain works like that? Yeah, I do. I think every human brain works like this. I think there's no way he's not going to think about his hamstring on the starting line in the world championship final. No way. He's not thinking about it. He's definitely thinking about it. He's probably thinking like, all right, this guy get through these 10 hurdles. We can do this. And he'd be like counting down. All right. I got through one. All right. I got through two. I got through three. Oh, oh crap. I'm through five. All right. I'm through six. This is great. And then like you kind of on the last one. Oh, last hurdle. Hopefully I get it. And then that moment when you're thinking about it is the moment those Santos or Benjamin aren't thinking about it and they make the pass in that final 30 meters. I, I, I disagree. I think it's more of a physical thing than a, a mental thing. Cause say this knocks him out for two weeks. They want to be really cautious. They want to make sure he's all good and he can't do anything for two weeks. Clock is ticking before worlds and the margin of error is so small. He can't win with a 90% version of himself. So Santos and Benjamin are too good. So I would just worry about the loss of fitness over a couple weeks. Mentally, I think he'll be fine because he just seems indestructible. I mean, this is a guy who debuts running world records. This is a guy who, during COVID, empty stadium, was like screaming at the top of his lungs and able to get himself up 
for numerous 46 second um, races. I, I just think he approaches things differently than we do. And I think if he's on a start line, that means he had the assurance and he's done enough in practice to be confident. But I just, I just would worry about him being gone that long. So hopefully it's just cramp. Hopefully it clears up and we see him pre – I want to see him pre-Worlds. Because whenever you go into Worlds, like whenever there's an injury and then we read all the reports, oh, it, it's looking better. It's trending up. Oh, they, he did strides for the first time. It never ends well. Like you don't want your first race back to be world championships. Like we've seen that movie before. And then first round, they try to go over four hurdles. They grab their leg. Then they give an interview where they're like, yeah, I was never right. I just tried it. It was, I was probably, I probably had a 10% chance of finishing. So I want to see him before the world championships. I'm still putting hope, not hope, because I don't hope this, but I'm putting like a small amount of fake money on the chance that Warholm is thinking, all right, we're doing the flat 400 to save the hamstring. And then we get the Warholm in the flat four as opposed to the hurdles, which would suck because you want to see him in the hurdles to go up against Benjamin and Dos Santos. But it would also be great because Warholm in a flat four is something new at a world championship level, and that would be must-watch TV. So I have a feeling there might be a chance we're going to get a news alert and be like Warholm entering 400 due to hamstring condition. First of all, that'd be an awesome news alert. I want to live in the world where you live, where you're getting Carson Warholm news alerts on your phone. Uh, Two, I'm pretty sure running an all-out 400 is going to hurt his hamstring too. It's not as if he's swimming a 400. Maybe running a 400. That's going to be painful. When your leg goes like that, that that that's your hand. That that's that's that, that's a different motion for your hamstring than just that. Oh, I agree. One could be worse than the other, but the first one can still be bad. And if you're Warholm, you want to go out getting seventh in a four hundred. Like you're going to risk your uh, future for a quarter. No, if I don't see I, it, I think I Warholm could medal in a four hundred. Come on, four hundred or the eight hundred. Four hundred. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was, that was an 800 joke. Hey, hey Uh Okay. Nice. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, any other results you want to talk about before we get to kick of the week and the rest of the show? I mean, high school. Uh, Will oh, Sumner yeah, ran another – well, not another. was another high schooler to run 146. Yeah, yeah. Adding to the list of great um, – High school men's 800, so it's also been great. Women's 800, we've been talking about the women, the women's 800s for a while now. But if we look at the, the, they haven't added his market now, but like two men now running 146 in Cade Flat and Will Sumner. Yeah. Very impressive, 146.5. Those two guys, I mean, you look at the rest of the, the U.S. outside of Clayton Murphy, really. No one else is, and Bryce Hopper, Bryce Hopple will probably say yes, but those two guys definitely can both make a final the way the 800 is shaking mm-hmm. out and having two high school boys in a pro U.S. final in the 800 would be incredible. That fact that 25% of the field are from high school, that also be a sign to our professionals, be like, yo guys, should not be letting high school kids 
take over your sport. You need a you need to run some 144s and 143s, not these 145, 146s. But I think that was pretty cool for Sumner to be able to add to because mm-hmm. we thought it was all about Cade Flat, and now Sumner's like, nope, what about me? So two guys running 146 is exciting. And then mm-hmm. up in distance, we talk about the first ever two met two boys under four in the same race, and then we just get another sub four. We get. Mm-hmm. Reinhard Harrison runs sub four yeah. in a race. Where did he run it? Um, he ran it. I don't know. It was in Florida, I think. Yeah, the Golden South Series number two in Florida, three fifty nine thirty three. Yet another mm-hmm. high school boy breaking four. So we now have That's one four this year. Four, four this year. Yeah. So now I'm feeling good about my pick. I should have written down what the number was, but I said we were going to see multiples. And even when we had two in one race, I said, this is where we're headed. Yeah. Here's it's- my guess for you. Here's my uh, quiz or prediction question for you. Yeah. We have four this year. Will there be yeah. more next year in high school? Without... Looking at the, I mean, you you look at someone like Salmon, right, as generational, but he broke it by a lot. And you look at someone like Harrison, who had been knocking on the door forever. I think we'll see, I'll say three next year, but that's just, that's just a guess. I mean, Harrison. You're like, ah, there's probably three sub four. Like, sub four used to be like, oh my goodness, stop the presses. Like, it's over now, right? Yeah, it's over. It's over. Sub four is over. Okay. It's over because we're still gonna you, talk you about feel, it. yeah, but you feel like these 800 guys, relatively speaking, are like way higher on the all time list. I mean, not they're not higher than, um, you know, what what Salmon did was different, right? Number three all time in the event. If someone gets goes number three all time in the event, then that's then that's different. But for if you just if you run 359.99. Right, and you sneak under four minutes. I mean, how many? So, what are we at now? I've totally lost track of how many sub fours we're at all time. Six. I do not know. Sixteen. We don't even know. I'm. I'm. I mean, it's crazy because we got all these new ones. But basically, what I'm saying is, if someone runs the number fifteen all time mark in the hundred or two hundred. It's noteworthy, but it's not a massive headline. Now, four is always going to attract attention because of the history of the event. But I just think we're at that point that you talked about before. Where it's like, well, they, they should be running faster because you look at what the equivalent time would be in the 100 or the 400. And like mid-distance running in the U.S. side should catch up. The other event disciplines. Do you have the Do you have the list? I do not. Um, okay. well, that was what you were supposed to do. I was just stalling. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm gonna here now. Now you talk. Now you stall, and I'll I'll do it. We're at Ryan Danielson, Lacory, Webb, Versbikas, Maton, Fisher, Hunter, Sligowski, Brown, Doshbach, Kessler, Salman, Martin. 
Burns, Harrison. There's 14 outdoor. That, that doesn't help. It's 16. I think we're at 16. Someone in the chat will know. There's 14 outdoor guys. and four indoor. But Maybe some of those are repeat. Did Hobbs Kessler do it outdoors? No. Okay, so 15 total. No, it's 16. No, 15. I just counted. I just counted, man. There's. I think we're. I think... Ryan, Danielson, LaCorey, Webb was four, Verzbegas five, Maton, Fisher, oh, Hunter, Legowski. 16. You're right. You're right. Brown. Okay. Someone will correct us. My point is this you could break it and be 17 all time, right? So go and look up the 17th fastest time in the men's 800 or the women's high hurdles or the women's 400, right? And those times, those performances would be amazing. They'd be incredible. They would be historic. Yeah, but they wouldn't get talked about as much. Yeah. Like, it's 148. You're, you're, right. If someone runs 148 at a state meet, you're like, man, that's person's really good. But you're not saying yeah. it's this completely life-altering epic achievement. It's just that four has been the number that people – I mean, what's number – what is it in the hundred? I mean, look up the boys or the girls' hundred. Like, what's number 17 all time in those events? It's when just legal, totally... it is 10-20. Right. So do you think yeah. – how much would that get talked about if someone ran 10-20? Not much. What time does a high schooler need to boy need to run to get talked about? I feel like it's a sub, you have to go almost like sub ten ten to get talked about. Like yeah. The standard is different for every event, and for the, for the longest time, mid distance high school boys, the standard has only been break four. But then it's like, all right, you break four, four guys did that this year, so basically saying you need you need to be one of the four best in every event. That's just not that's not going to hold. That's why I think it's it's changing. We're in a different era. Yeah. And it's always it's just taken a little bit of time. It's been a little bit it's taken a little bit of time for it to catch up. But that's always been the case. Right? When you just if you look at those conversion charts, you know, and you match it up to the hundred or the four hundred or whatever event, three fifty nine ninety nine in any other event was not nearly as uh as talked about. Go ahead. You want some updates? Vernon Norwood, forty five two eight in Hengelo. Christopher Taylor, 45-45. Trevor Stewart, 45-93. When does Femke Ball run? Uh, we got an hour. All right, we're going to continue this pot. Sorry, Colt. We're going to stay on for an hour. It's going to be Gordon talking about what he bought. Understood. Women's 800. Still. Women's 800. Faith Kipiegan, one in two flat. The more you know. Sorry. All right, All let's right. move on. Break, breaking news, Coach K and Duke lost. Shut up. <laughs> that is my favorite part. Let's go to kick of the me. week, Gordon. It's time for kick of the week. Hey, we're going to talk about the 800, the men's 800. At the pro level specifically, that's right. They're still capable of having some fast races. Let's go to Chor Zhao, Poland. You're going to want to keep your eye on Patrick Dobek of Poland, medalist last year, uh, actually boxed in here with 200 to go. Freeze it right there. Whoop, let's go back, set Colt. 
Let's bring it back just a second. Dobek, one, two, three, four, five, six. You can count him there in the light blue shorts. Look how boxed Dobek is in here. And yet, he's going to escape, move around, everybody, get way outside, and run this entire field down. And he was in a real fight the last five or ten meters, but had enough. You see Dobek there moving out into lane number three. He's going wide, still has one man to chase, and he's able to run him down, catch him in the final strides, and just hold him off. And this time was pretty quick, Gordon. This time was pretty quick. 144.49. We appreciate the 144s this year. Great kick by Patrick Dobek, bronze medalist. Yo, watch that back. There was another kick in that kick. A kick Check out the guy kick? who got third. Check out the guy who gets third. I think he's in like he's in like third to last. So he's yeah. So just watch lane two. So don't keep your eyes on Dobek. Look on the guy who's gonna finish third. You don't, he's not in the picture yet. Right there. All right, he's in. He's coming out. He's passing the Kenyan. I see him. He's in lane four. He keeps going. That's that's the. Uh, the secondary kick of the kick of the week mm. as he goes from like eighth to third. Sticks his arm yeah. across as he close across the line. And this is why we love the 800. For those of you saying, hey, we're ripping on the 800. This is why you love it. Look how exciting these races can be. But Dobek catches Robert. Robert's been running really well this year too. And it looks like, was that Ben there up for third? No, it was uh, De Ariba who catches Ben. Alvaro De Ariba. Who goes 145.85. That's a PB for him, Gordon. So that's your kick of the week. Uh, a little more conventional this week. Last week we did some unorthodox things on the uh, four by on the four by fours, but good to see a solid being buried with 200 to go, getting out of the box and running people down. Everybody likes that, right? Gotta love it, man. The 800 was born for kick of the weeks. It's a perfect race. It's the greatest race yeah. in track and field, in my opinion. And are you, we're just, we're not doing it justice. So <laughs> at least like, I had to cancel it. Yeah. We, we just have to cancel it. Yeah. Kick of the week. Gotta love it. If you have any kick of the week suggestions, email us flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at us. Yep, yep. We do the whole thing. Comment in YouTubes. Uh, yeah. Gotta love my, gotta love these kicks. Also, uh, if you want to participate and guess my PR, you can email flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com or internet coach. Those two segments. We're going to keep those going. By pop their demand. People seem to enjoy them. So email it with a subject line, either guess my PR, internet coach, or kick of the week. Again, maybe you kick down one of your club teammates or you're, you're J at a JV meet. You just owned everybody in the last quarter. Like if it's an, you don't need to be a diamond league runner. You don't need to be a collegian. Anybody can win kick of the week. You don't need to be a Do world medalist like Patrick Dobek. Like Patrick Dobek didn't send us that. We had to go out and find it. So if you're going to send us one, that just we want to reward that dedication. Do you think kick of the week could get so big that we'll have people fraudulently staging kicks to try to get mm. on the podcast? Or kicks in real life there's two people going for the same line at costco 
with their carts and one person just goes flat out and, and edges them. Yeah. We could Trying see to that. Get to the elevator door. Yeah. Yeah. Running out in the real world. I think that's awesome. That's real world application of your running skills. Don't get anybody hurt, of course. Don't hit anybody with a shopping cart. But yeah, stage kicks. Be... Would you be able to tell a stage kicks? I, I, I think I could. I remember in that was that Shaq versus show. Do you remember that show a long time ago? Where Shaq would compete against other people in the in their specialty. And Tyson Gay raced against Shaq. And but they had like a staggered start. And I think in one of them, Shaq actually beats him. And then they show the slow-mo, and it's just so clear that Tyson Gay is not trying. Like, he could not disguise how little he was trying to catch him. He was, like, still pumping his arms, but just it just did not look like normal running. So I think we could sniff those out pretty easily. What else we have for you today? Well, Gordon, we have, if, if this was track, this, this edition of, uh, if this was track. And I saw this headline. This is a sports business topic. So a lot of people have opinions about sports business. Uh, present company included. I saw the story where Phil Knight and another rich gentleman, one of the co-owners of the Dodgers, are trying to buy the Portland Trailblazers of the NBA. The bid apparently was rejected, though, but it was uh, valued at $2 billion. And anybody who knows the history of Phil Knight knows that when he's interested in something, I don't think he's just going to take no for an answer the, the first time. So I'd expect we're going to hear more about this. So the first thing I wanted to know is applying this to track. Um, Phil Knight's obviously given a lot of money. So I was going to say, Hey, what would it look like for Phil Knight to invest instead of the blazers invent this into track? And I was like, wait, we've literally seen that they get a new track at Hayward field. Nike has a whole bunch of money. They sponsor more pro athletes than anybody else. They put on an entire meet, the Prefontaine classic. This is basically a showcase for Nike athletes and the Nike employees come up and watch it. So this was the rare, I didn't even need to do a hypothetical. I know what happens when Phil Knight invests a lot into track, but I want to know from you, I got fixated on this $2 billion number, $2 billion valuation of uh, the Portland Trailblazers franchise. Like, what would you do with $2 billion? And I don't want you to say like, oh, I would create four majors and all that stuff. Like, I don't want you to go down the traditional normal path. If you put $2 billion into track, what would it look like for you? Wait, well, you don't want me to say what the right answer is? Because that is the right answer. Like, $2 billion, like... What, you can do what four you majors do? for less than... You, 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 you do four majors for two billion. You got to go bigger is what I'm saying. Two billion dollars. That's a huge $2 number. It's yeah, a big number, saying, but don't... that number can disappear really quickly if you just spend it all at once. You know, that'd be care true. You got to be careful. If someone gives you two billion dollars, Kevin. Make sure you invest. Sure I invest. will. I will 100% invest. But what would, what you would I do with two billion dollars? Well, in track. And I'm being forced to spend it on track, right? I can't spend it on Correct. anything that's, else. Yes. That's earmarked for track what only. We're focused on. Exactly. Earmarked for track only. I would buy every um, 
streaming like rights to going. every track race that exists from high school to pro, international, NCAA, and I would pull it all on one streaming platform. So you don't need to hop between NBC, Runner Space, Flow Track, World Athletics YouTube channel, uh, some random foreign Dubai feed here. And it'll just all be mm-hmm. under the same, under the same uh, su- subscription model, whatever. So it's just all in one place. So you don't need to find. So David Verberg, I think, tweeted the other day, like he couldn't find results for like certain meets because we just have meets all over the place happening at different times and. It's here, it's there, it's on this platform, it's on that platform. It gets very confusing if you're a track fan to follow the sport because it's all over the place. So I would buy all the live rights to all the meets, make sure all the production's great, and then I would force them all to compete on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. There'll be no track on Thursday through Monday, right? Because I would want it all to happen at the same time. I would want it to feel like NFL Sunday football, like, all right, every weekend is track weekend. So I'd want to consolidate all the track meets onto one platform on the same weekend throughout the entire year. So you just knew, you know, same way like people know, like Saturday mornings, you're watching the Premier League, right? Or Sunday Mm -hmm. morning, whatever the Premier League games are on. It's just like you want to have that one-stop shop to, uh, Watch all the meets. So that'll take a couple million. Uh, I would build tracks in cooler places. I would find like, like build a track. Like, I don't know, like in cool exotic areas. They're easy, you know, just for fun, like visuals. Kind of like people love going to certain golf courses that are like on the edge of the water mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So yeah. I'll build cool ass tracks all over. I would create a an a uh street type I, I would um make like a marathon courses more um fan viewer friendly so like similar to how they Re when they, whenever F one comes to a city, mm-hmm. they like tear the city apart and build all these bleachers so they can watch the cars go through the streets of the city. I'll do the same yeah. thing, but for marath- ma- marathon majors, and not, and make it like oh, so bleachers the whole friendly. way around. Yeah, bleachers the whole way around. Ooh, okay, I like that one. Yeah. See, this is good. I knew we were onto something when you started one of those sentences. With, I would buy every. I was like, whatever's coming next. This is yeah. this is more in line with the two billion stuff. So. That's good. Here I found I the Verber tweet. The Verber tweet's pretty funny. I don't yeah. know why I ever stressed about track results. Nobody can find them anyway. <laughs> so true. I would put a aside a um, amount of money called challenge money, where we would mm. put uh, money up to other professional athletes, where they can mm. get the money if they can beat the world champion in track. So we would say, I don't know how much money it would take for them to try, but say we put away 
$100 million. And we say, hey, all you professional athletes out there, we will give you $100 million if you beat mm -hmm. Christian Coleman or if you beat Jacobs. Yeah. Okay, one attempt at it. One attempt at $100 million. If you do it, you get it. Um, you just got to give our athletes two months notice. And so it'll be a way to get all these other pro athletes to be like, damn, man. They're giving out $100 million. All I got to do is beat that one person. And then just every two months, we have the challenge where we have all the stars from all the other sports come to a track and try to win $100 million by beating Sydney in a 400 hurdles or, you know, long jumping farther than whoever our long jump champion is at that time. Because our long jump champion is always different every year. Uh, so... <laughs> Do, I would have a challenge purse to try to draw in other athletes from other sports to kind of train. And then the goal would be one of them were to beat them, and then everyone would be like, mm -hmm. oh, crap. And then that person would then want to be on the circuit of running, you know. But in gotcha. order to beat, I like. it's going to be hard to beat, you know. You're going to have to run 9-7. Yeah. And I don't think a football player is just going to wake up and be like, I run 9-7 today. So. But people would watch it. Yeah, I like all those ideas. That's good. Sure. I calculated that. You, yeah, you're at 1.8 billion. So you still have 0.2 to go, according to my calculations after doing all okay. that. So you could, yeah. I mean, maybe you, maybe you build like uh, another crazy track. You maybe have budget left for one more crazy track in some crazy location. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I like the, I, I, I like the marathon course. It's just like, Figuring out how you could put bleachers around the entire thing and making it multiple loops. I mean, as a as a runner, it's like, ugh, multiple loops. But they do that anyway for trials in the Olympics. They do those, you know, six six laps. But just having the um all the other stuff that go along with it, like with the F one stuff, is it's it's visually interesting to look at, like the way they put that stuff together. And then if you had, you know, bleachers like all the way around, it'd be cool. And I think you'd have to shorten the lap. Like you would I mean Kipchoge literally ran on an F1 track in Monza, but from my eyes, it looked like, like the least interesting F1 track. I mean, it just looked like a was it a mile and a half, two and a half miles or whatever. Um, oh. And, the, and the, there was no one there, too. Like, you have to have people there. That's the whole thing that makes it fun. I just thought about what I would do. I would take all the money, point too. and I would use the money to, to – I would make them – if you are, I would force all the athletes to live in within 3,000 miles of each other. You, okay, this is going to sound U.S. bias, but let's say America. It doesn't need to be America, but for this experiment, let's say America. If you're a professional track athlete, you have to move to America. And that's where the season is, is what you're saying. That's the where season the season is. is. The same way Giannis Antetokounmpo has to live in Milwaukee. He's from Greece, mm -hmm. but he has to live in Milwaukee because that's where his team is, right? Mm -hmm. So all the best athletes have to live within easy flying distance of each other, not on other sides of the planet, and basically creates a place where it's easy to compete more often because you don't have to go on eight-hour yep. you know, flights where your shoulder hurts so Elaine Thompson, hurrah, can't go on the flight. We take away that concern and basically have all the track meets maybe it's in europe maybe we have all of our athletes live in europe and therefore all of our 
it's easy to have all of our track meets in one location so they can compete more often. They train mm -hmm. all near each other and you're not just one off training in the middle of the woods somewhere. And so basically yeah. it allows for the regular season to be more active because they're all within certain distance of each other. In order to do that, you pay them all to live in a, in a certain distance. Because right now the athletes aren't getting paid to where, live where they need to live. So we'd have to, mm -hmm. hey, we'll give you $200,000 to live here. Yeah. Right. Or maybe you rotate it too. Maybe you rotate it. Yeah, rotate Like it's yeah. two, two, two months in Europe, two months in the United States. All right. Good segment. Good job. I'm checking on the chat right now. Um, people are talking about, um, let's see, what is all in the game? Tamari Davis and Mary Beth running sub 11. That's true. At uh same meet in Nashville. Tamari Davis, 1091. Mary Beth sent price. 1096 for Tamari Davis. I mean, what's her 1108 was her PB before that. I mean, she's still only 19. That's a huge result. So I know people have been paying attention to her for a while, but obviously that puts, that puts her in a different category, especially if she can that up. What was some prices PB for that? I mean, we all know her as a 60 meter runner pulling it up right now. I don't know. Hold on. This is Can't you know finding the results. Brainstorm two billion dollars and I had no prep. I wasn't prepped. You were prepped. Well, you were prepping your whole life. <sighs> your whole life has been preparation. Um, ten nine. This is really hard to find because now she set her PB. So what was her PB before this? Let's see progression. Eleven oh eight. Hold on, I'm getting close. I need to know this. This is not this fun is content. Point. You just this is point searching a random. So she, wow. Well, she goes 95, she went 95 and then 96. So she did back to back rounds. Before that, it was 1108. Not a random person. It's a person who ran some sub 11. Some respect on it, Gordon. Um, yeah. So before this year, never under 11. And then same thing with Mar Davis. I got to go. Any other, Gordon's got to go. The grocery go. store? Colt left. Colt left like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, where are you going? The grocery store, maybe? No, he already no, went. No. He sent me a picture of his groceries. <laughs> oh, Gordon okay, sends me pictures okay. of his groceries now every time, guys. Um, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Gordon's taking off his headphones. I don't want to say why, but I got to go. I'll okay. tell you. Yeah, All right. I we'll see you Wednesday. Thanks, Cole. Bye. Thanks, Travis. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Later.